IGN Playlist is a new home to your game library. Rate games, share lists, and log your game time, powered by How Long to Beat. Sign up for early access today at playlist.ign.com. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117, and you're listening to Podcast Unlocked, the world's number one Xbox podcast. Now, finish this fight. Master Chief, out. Buckle your seatbelts, friends. It's Unlocked episode 527 for, what is this, January 18th, a day that will live in Xbox infamy, no doubt. Uh, I'm Ryan McCaffrey, joined by Destin Legary. Bam! Hi, everybody. <laughs> Miranda Sanchez, welcome back. Oh, thank you. Hello. Hello, everybody. And joining us, our U.S. News lead, Kat Bailey, uh, who's been on the show a few times. Kat, hello. Hello, Ryan. Joining you from the land of Nintendo to talk about Xbox acquisitions. Looking forward to it. <laughs> uh, yes, but they did not acquire Nintendo. However, Yet. it's not that <laughs> far off. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so the quick, so I spent some of my, usually I prepare the podcast on Mondays. And then if any other big news breaks Tuesday, just kind of quick update, add it in, add some notes so that I'm ready to roll when we record at 11 a.m. on Tuesdays. So yesterday we were fortunate to have the three-day holiday weekend. And I thought, all right, you know what? I don't want to deal with the craziness tomorrow morning. I'll just, I'll spend a little time. I'll get a show prepared on Monday. And that'll save me some stress on Tuesday. Well, that plan blew up in a massive way. Microsoft not messing around. Uh, The Bethesda deal, as you'll recall, $7.5 billion for Microsoft to acquire Bethesda and ZeniMax. Well, uh, Microsoft has made that look like pocket change, like something they, some coins they dug out between the couch cushions. Microsoft has acquired Activision Blizzard in a deal that is worth $68.7 billion. Uh, There is so much to get to. We're going to spend most of the show on this, I suspect. Uh, There are uh, several key things that I think are are big topics that I want to talk about. But first, let's go over the the basics here. So uh, Microsoft CEO of gaming, yes, that's a new title for Phil Spencer, announced that all Activision Blizzard companies would report to him after the deal is closed. The company expects the deal to close sometime in Microsoft's fiscal 2023, ending June 30th, 2023. A separate press release added that not only does this acquisition bolster bolster Microsoft's gaming business, but that it will, quote, provide building blocks for the metaverse, end quote. After the deal closes, Microsoft will become the world's third largest gaming business by revenue after Tencent and Sony. So we talk about Microsoft's market cap being so much bigger than Sony's. Well, Sony's still a heck of a force in the gaming business. That does not change. Bloomberg sources report that Microsoft plans to continue selling some Activision Blizzard games on PlayStation, but will make some content exclusive to Xbox. Uh, A small list before I go around the table and just get these initial reactions, just to put this in context for everybody listening and watching, a small list of the franchises and games that Microsoft now will own. Call of Duty, uh, Overwatch, Diablo, Warcraft, including World of Warcraft, StarCraft, Crash Bandicoot, Spyro, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, uh, the, the ghost of Guitar Hero, rest in peace, Candy Crush, 
And uh, just speaking as a big first-person shooter fan myself, it's my favorite genre. I know a lot of the panel loves shooters as well. Miranda certainly is in that group. Just listen to the the, the first-person shooter franchises that Microsoft will now own. Halo, Call of Duty, Overwatch, Doom, Quake, Wolfenstein. If it's a big name in the first-person shooter world, the odds are pretty good that Microsoft owns it. I mean, the Xbox was kind of got this reputation as the shooter box in its early days, in the OG Xbox days, and well, so it is once again. Uh, and now, let's go around the table with some, and this is, I mean, this is the biggest thing uh, in the last, Cat, I'll start with you. I mean, is this the biggest gaming news story since the Bethesda acquisition? Absolutely. This is a game changer by any measure. We're talking about the absolute biggest games in the industry right now are now under the Xbox umbrella. World of Warcraft, which while it has been declining, is still absolutely massive in the MMO space. That's under the Xbox umbrella. We have Call of Duty. What is that going to ha- what is going to happen with that? The the mind kind of reels with the possibilities. And the way that Xbox decides to approach this will say a lot about how the industry changes over the next four or five years. I think from a positive standpoint, Activision Blizzard over the past year or more has badly, badly needed a culture reset. Phil Spencer, as you'll recall, expressed a lot of disgust and horror over what was happening with Activision Blizzard internally over at Xbox well, okay, this is an opportunity to clean house a little bit and make Activision Blizzard that much less toxic. On the downside, I am not a fan of industry consolidation. We can talk about that we a little will. bit later. We will. And it raises a lot of questions about what is going to happen with the ongoing strike and the unionization efforts happening at Activision Blizzard. So, so many questions happening with this acquisition. It is, I think, the biggest news going to be of 2022. And probably, as you said, the biggest news since <laughs> Xbox acquired Bethesda. And and Kat, correct me if I'm wrong, the uh, the Take-Two Zynga acquisition from what, just a week or two ago, that was the largest uh, dollar amount gaming acquisition yeah, ever, right. right? Bethesda was $7 billion. Right. I don't have the Take-Two Zynga numbers I believe it was 12.7 is what I've got. Okay. Seventy billion is like Doctor Evil numbers. <laughs> it's just—it's an unfathomable amount of money to spend, but it makes sense because at what Xbox is getting is not just the biggest um, franchises in gaming; they're also getting the infrastructure, the online infrastructure. Uh, there's been talk already about Xbox using this as an opportunity to push further into the quote-unquote metaverse whatever that ends up taking, because of course, Activision Blizzard has so much experience in that kind of online space with online worlds and whatnot. So yeah, like I think that Xbox sees this as more than a play just for games. They see it as a long-term play for tech in general, the next tech field, whatever that ends up being. Uh, Miranda, let me go your way next. Where were you? Like, is this, this is like one of those Xbox, where were you moments when you heard the news? (laughs) 
uh still in bed <laughs> i was definitely just like oh i actually got up on time today i'm gonna have coffee i got conchas i have a book i'm really excited to continue i'm gonna read before Should work be a chill week yeah no problem at all yeah but i was like oh i want to see how this stationary thing i posted about last night is going and i clicked twitter i was like wow why are there so many notifications people really are into stationary on twitch now no it's not that <laughs> <laughs> um, no, yeah, definitely just the news. That's that's how I found out. Was was quite surprised. I was like, well, all right, it's going to be a busy day um, and a very exciting episode of Unlocked, which I know we're all very excited for to talk about. Um, so I think my first, I guess, impressions are kind of playing off of what Kat just said and sort of wondering how things will change with Activision Blizzard under Microsoft and Xbox. Um, I think one point too, especially just to, to, I guess, slowly go back through Kat's points as well, is the tech tech side of it, like the infrastructure, right? Um, if you guys will remember, this is something that stuck with me uh, quite a few years back now, which is weird to think it was years ago, uh, where Phil Spencer was saying that like Sony and Nintendo aren't their main competitors. That's not who he sees as their competitors. You know, it's it's Amazon. It's uh, I can't think Facebook. Google. It's been it's Google. Yeah, it's been just those big tech giants who have infrastructure to compete we don't see them as maybe big players in the space i mean you look at like stadia and basically everything amazon's trying to do with luna they're just little blips they exist they happen but they're not something i think a lot of like the core gaming community really cares about uh but you know if if you were looking from a tech standpoint like there's a lot there in that that they want to compete with and i think that is also really important to consider when it's not only about games um metaverse metaverse i think is just really a business buzzword i don't think it matters to most people at all um but what it says to me whenever people try to be like the metaverse it's just mostly about infrastructure right it's just about setting up systems where they can all play nice together and gaming has had that for a long time and has continued to develop on that so it's really just put itself in a place where it's already set up for that thing so like having some like weird word tacked on from facebook it's like no one cares uh people business people care we don't care i don't care at least anyway but um but the, the whole thing there is the infrastructure yeah um and then another big part and i think we will probably get into this a little bit more too is about the company culture um Historically, it seems like when Microsoft does acquire a studio or property, they generally play a pretty hands-off approach. Like they're like, hey guys, you're not under our umbrella, you have our funding, our support, go do things. And then they do cool things. The problem is, I think Activision Blizzard have a lot of issues, right? Yeah, we'll we'll like, get into all that for sure. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a big thing that I'm curious about and we'll expand upon later. Destin, how about you? Uh, this was definitely the most shocking news that I have seen probably since the Bethesda merger with uh, Microsoft, to your point, Ryan. Uh, I can't believe that they just dropped nearly $70 billion to acquire this company. And now the question that a lot of people have are, what does that mean for cross-platform titles like Call of Duty? Um, for me, I'm just like, Will World of Warcraft be coming to Game Pass PC without a subscription fee? Am I going to be able to just play that game? Uh, it sounds like Bobby Kotick will be out after the acquisition. Like it doesn't even make business sense to keep him on anyway, according to the Wall Street Journal. Um, and then 
yeah, Phil has some stuff about the, the crossplay. I'll just say to players out there who are play, playing Activision Blizzard games on Sony's platform, it's not our intent to pull communities away from that platform, and we remained committed to that. However, they said something sort of similar with when the Bethesda acquisition happened, and look where that how that panned out. So I'm just like, okay, you can't really say anything concretely about you know Kodak right now, probably for legal reasons, and you want to like uh, let the Sony fans know that sure Warzone will stay cross-platform, but what about the core Call of Duties, things like that? I have so many questions, and the culture thing we're going to touch on, of course, is is one of them on everybody's mind. After you know, Cat said he expressed um, disgust at what was happening over there, and now this has happened. So, what does that mean going forward? What does it mean for? all of the questions that I just proposed, but uh, one, one we didn't even discuss is, will this be considered a monopoly? You know, a lot of people are wondering about that. I don't think so, but yeah, I'm, I'm shocked. Uh, I don't really know <laughs> what else to say about it. It's, it's staggering news. Yeah. Uh, so I hope, I don't think he'll mind me sharing this, but I found out this morning from former, IGN uh, graphic designer, design lead, Justin Vachon, who texted me. So this was, let's see, I woke up, at, what I got up at seven this morning, 7.22. Because yeah, normally I do my morning thing, I'd get my daughter ready for school. So I'm not looking at social media right away. I'm not looking at Slack or email right away. I get a text that's, dude, holy shit. I, with eyes wide emoji. <laughs> also happy new year. And I hope your break was nice, but dude, <laughs> 70 billion in all caps. I'm in such shock still. And I looked at this and went, what is he talking about? I have no idea what he's talking about. I better go on Slack and check this. And that's uh that's when I saw. So thank you, Justin, because that is that'll be a memorable like where where I was when I found out the news about this, because this will reshape the gaming industry for a long time. In many ways, uh, business-wise, uh, as we, we touched on culturally, which we're going to talk about more, uh, I, it, it's it's just, I don't even, it's weird in the sense that it feels like this isn't as big of a deal as Bethesda, maybe because that was the first big one. I mean, no disrespect to the Undead Labs acquisition, the Playground Games, you know, those studio acquisitions, but the Bethesda one was just such a huge package that they got. And, uh, this, and this being almost 10 times as much money uh, and all these big franchises, I don't know if it's just that I've, you know, I, I got all the shock out of my system with Bethesda. It's, it's hard to fully process the scope of it all. Right? I, I think I this mean, is bigger, personally. Well, of course yeah. it is. Oh, yes. definitely. Yeah. It's bigger. I think we're but... just like digesting it at the moment going, but we can't get our minds around just how big it is in terms of the games that they managed to get. It is definitely bigger than Bethesda, for sure. Just from the standpoint of Call of Duty alone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, I, I think maybe... I will... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Marina. Oh, Marina, sorry. I was just saying maybe part of the excitement in that or, uh, I guess, fanfare around the first one was more so because of the games that Bethesda makes rather than Activision mm -hmm. Blizzard. Not that they don't make good games. It's just those are different kind of celebrated games than what we have from Activision Blizzard. So that would make sense to me. And, and that's actually exactly what I was going to say is for me personally, as a gamer, who's, who's, you know, it's not my money. I don't care about 
what executives are making. And, uh, you know, I mean, I do care about the culture and the workplace and we'll, we're going to get into that. But for me personally, I'm more excited about the Bethesda deal because they make more games that I personally care about. Uh, Activision is so franchise focused and Blizzard as well, both both arms of it, uh, that, you know, Call of Duty, I've played the campaign every year, although I haven't played Vanguard yet. Uh, I do love Diablo. That's in my top franchises, but we get one of those once every 10 years, maybe if we're lucky. So yeah, from a pure just gamer perspective, I think the for me, the Bethesda acquisition was more exciting than this, but obviously the industry ramifications here are go a lot farther than, than the Bethesda deal. Uh, and on the subject of games, let me go uh, to Miranda here. So let's just start. I mean, the 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 elephant in the room uh, as far as that portfolio goes. I mean, yes, Cat Cat wisely mentioned World of Warcraft. Just this, what go? It's going on twenty years. I mean, it's not what are we eighteen years this year uh, of a, of a just monthly ATM, just a cash machine. But Call of Duty uh, has been arguably an even bigger cash machine for almost as long, if not slightly longer. So Call of Duty, uh, Destin read you the quote about what's Phil saying to, you know, speaking directly to PlayStation gamers. Will Call of Duty stay exclusive, stay multi-platform or will it go exclusive? Uh, Destin, I'll go right back to you first, actually, here, and then I'll go around the table. I think Warzone, because of the nature of the game, stays cross-platform. I think they even have cross-platform play as an option for Warzone. Uh, I'd have to look to make sure about that. But I think that one stays as is. I think the regular Call of Duties after that go console exclusive with Xbox. Again, I feel like we're just saying the same things, but you don't spend $70 billion <laughs> and keep things, keep things multi-platform. You know, you want people in the Xbox ecosystem. You want them in the Xbox family of devices. Games like ESO stay cross-platform with the Bethesda deal. Games like Warzone are likely staying cross-platform with this current deal. That's, that's how I imagine it, it going. So like Hearthstone is going to stay cross-platform. But uh, Call of Duty, I think those individual yearly, yearly releases uh, go Xbox exclusive. And I hope Call of Duty gets a little bit of a break so they can sort of uh, rethink how they want to do that. And they won't be forced to have that annual release. They can like get a little bit of a breather, make sure the games launch in a great state. Like we saw what happened with Battlefield 2042 and how bad that has gone rushing it out. So hopefully Call of Duty can take a breather and uh, release some bangers. Well, I I agree with you on the Warzone front. I disagree with you on on there being any layoff for Call of Duty. They've got three studios. Those games have s- still turned out pretty polished, whether you like them or not. They they ship pretty cleanly every year, and it's I can't Vanguard. imagine Microsoft would would take any and break from Van- that revenue. Vanguard just had like the worst Call of Duty launch though, and they had to explain to investors why it did so poorly. So I mean, that's just an example of. You know, maybe they do need to calm down a little bit with the Call of Duty, just for a like a year, even. That Nobody is a- wanted a World War II Call of Duty again, yeah, and it got bad reviews, yeah, and I- people were like, "Well, I already got Warzone, so whatever." But when it comes to the actual games that Xbox is getting out of this, I would actually say. 
Destin, mm-hmm. that it might be in Microsoft's best interest to actually keep everything multi-platform. And the reason I say this is because in some ways, Xbox is transcending the concept of a console. They are going big on cloud gaming. Xbox is going to be a quote unquote app. Oh, they're not trying, they're not a hardware business. The Xbox Series X is definitely a nice thing to have, but I don't think Microsoft's particularly fussed about actual console sales. They're building an ecosystem here. So they have all of these studios. Why not try to get these games on as many platforms as they possibly can? If it's, if uh, Call of Duty ends up selling extremely well on Sony, in the end, Xbox profits, whatever. I, I agree with everything you said about them building an ecosystem. Uh, I don't. I just don't think that they're going to make all of their games cross-platform or keep them cross-platform because of what we've mm-hmm. seen them do with the Bethesda acquisition, right? So yeah, why you're would totally they all... right. The, in short term, yeah. yes, for sure. So yeah, for like the next five years, everything's going to be cross-platform. But when we start getting these, whatever new IP was in the works or whatever's mm-hmm. coming down the pipeline from the company, I think those go console exclusive. I don't know why they would suddenly change what they're doing with an Activision merger, but be pretty clear about what they're doing with the Bethesda merger and the Bethesda merger. They even uh, like Pete Hines didn't seem particularly keen on going console exclusive. And then uh, they did it anyway. So. Well, Destin, my cynical response to what you just said would be when was the last time Activision or Blizzard launched a new IP? And you actually have to think about it, don't you? Overwatch. Overwatch is is like the last time. Uh, But Miranda, how about you? Are, are you on the same page here with, with either of these two as far as uh, Warzone versus, you know, Call of Duty proper, as it were, and, and some of the other games in the in the portfolio? Yes, I would say the live games where folks have already invested money in, those are going to be remaining as multi-platform, just like we saw with Minecraft. Those are going to be standing existing things. Uh, going forward, though, I would say be more surprised if something is not exclusive. It just... It just it makes sense. Like again, same gameplay as they have with or game plan as they had with Bethesda. It's gonna be exclusive. I don't think they're gonna wanna share their exclusivity since they paid so much money for something like Call of Duty. Um, which will be interesting to see how that shakes out with sales, honestly. Um, if that does end up going exclusive. And I think there's just a lot of questions there as far as the the cycle of that. And I, I do agree that I think they're gonna keep up with the Call of Duty cycle. And I don't think they're gonna put pump the brakes on anything. Um, but we could be surprised, we can say. Yeah, I think if anything, Microsoft will simply invest more resources into mm-hmm. uh, Sledgehammer, into Infinity Ward, into Treyarch to you know let them keep doing their annual releases with each studio taking a turn uh, and just and you know giving them more to work with, more you know to to enable healthier workplaces and and healthier lifestyles and better games out of it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys here. I'm Miranda. I'm so glad you brought up Minecraft because Miranda, uh, Minecraft was such a big touch point that we were all looking at with the Bethesda deal. And I think the difference, which you, which you all have perfectly, uh, made clear is that Minecraft like Warzone is this established just online persistent cross-platform community. Uh, so I'm I'm with with all of you. I, I agree that Warzone is probably going to remain the primary way through which PlayStation gamers will be able to continue uh, spending money in the Call of Duty universe. 
but yeah, uh, I mean, this year, I believe 2022 is the year we're expecting Modern Warfare 2, the, you know, the, the reboot Modern Warfare 2. Obviously, that will not be impacted because this deal won't even finalize until next year. Uh, but yeah, I, I think we are looking at a, uh, a situation where unless, Kat, I don't know if you, if we're, if we know of the terms of Sony's deal with, with Activision, you know, they've, Microsoft had the, not a, not an exclusivity on the game, but an exclusivity on the DLC, uh, for a number of years in the 360 era. And then last generation that flipped and Sony signed that deal. And that's, that deal seems to still be in place, I think. So. I don't know if that deal could continue and thus make sure that the game stays on the, the mainline Call of Duty does stay on PlayStation for a time, but whenever that deal ends, I think yeah, Call of Duty is there... going to be a won't just be the DLC that's exclusive. It's going to be the whole damn thing. Um, and another part of that, which uh, I'm excited about, is it will mean that Microsoft can make sure that. Call of Duty and Halo and their other shooters don't step on each other and we'll get them spaced out through the year. Doom, Quake, Call of Duty, Halo, whenever those games come around, we will not have to like battle for this the communities the communities won't have to battle for time for people's time. Yep. One those. gets the so first that I'm week excited of, about. One gets the first week in November, one gets the second week in November, <laughs> one gets <laughs> But you can see Microsoft's strategy kind of uh, coming into the forward, right? Where every holiday season, they want a big RPG, like Starfield, whatever is coming out of uh, the Obsidian, coming out of Brian Fargo Studio in Exile, uh, coming out with Fable, uh, the new Fable game. Like each year now, they've basically got it set up so that they can have a giant RPG coming out, starting with Starfield. And now they've got a giant shooter franchise coming out between Overwatch and Call of Duty. And if you think about shooters and RPGs being the two giant tentpole kind of uh, genres, well, Microsoft is perfectly set up. What I'm interested to know about, we've talked a lot about Call of Duty, but I think there are a lot of interesting questions about the future of Blizzard because Blizzard has not been having a good time of it over the past few years. They've had lots of delays. They've arguably not been particularly well run. They had a big scandal recently where Jen O'Neill was the co-lead of Blizzard and then decided to leave because she wasn't getting paid as much as Mike Ibarra and Activision had been really dragging its feet on actually getting uh, that contract set up. Uh, There's been a huge number of departures from Blizzard over the years. And, you know, there's a lot of questions about uh, the new Diablo the new Overwatch 2, what's going on with WoW. And so I think that if I'm Xbox, the first thing I do is I start thinking, okay, but how do we get Blizzard back on track as a prestige studio? Because there's still that studio still has a ton of currency despite all of the toxicity going back through all of its history. So, I mean, starting with Diablo 4, that low key could be a huge deal for xbox though i do think diablo 4 will remain multi-platform because it's kind of already been announced so and See, Microsoft I, I disagree with you i was just gonna go there i think diablo 4 yeah. i mean because we know diablo 4 is still pretty far away it is that game is is it not coming out this year i think diablo 4 is going to be an, an xbox pc interesting game. i don't i okay. think they'll kill the playstation version of that game 
I mean, that's that's right. a huge. It's, it's coming out on multiple platforms. That. Yeah, and yeah, Microsoft, it's, if it's already been announced, like I mean, for example, a <laughs> Deathloop was already a PlayStation exclusive. And they're like, oh, you can stay. PlayStation I don't know. We'll. I mean, it's, it's just Diablo is so far away yet. I think. I think that'll be a big one. Um, At I, least another year or so. Yeah. Oh, minimum. It's like a yeah. I mean, year, right? No, I think it'll come out in 2023. Um, but I like they were actually hoping to get it out sooner rather than later, and they were kind of imp- uh, promising investors that it was going to happen, but then it got pushed back uh, further because they were having internal difficulties with that one. Um, I believe there was some turnover at the higher levels of the development team on Diablo Four, but yeah, they had a yeah. No, I, I, I think it'll be multi-plat. Well, well, yeah, we'll have to make one of our patented. Maybe we we'll have to break out the old uh, in and out lunch bet. Now that Ooh, ooh I'm into it. Yeah, let's, uh, let's do I'm, it. I'm in if you're in. Like winner, winner I'm buys in. lunch or loser buys lunch. I guess would be the, <laughs> the way to play that. So we'll see. All right, Cat, you're Kat, on. You you bring up one of the one of the the bigger companies also like with World of Warcraft and everything like that. I think one thing that a lot of us maybe aren't paying attention to are just how much of a foothold they're going to have in the mobile market. Acquiring mm-hmm. King, King is a yeah. cash cow for Activision. They make a ridiculous amount of money. Plus the mobile companies that they got during the Bethesda, or yeah, the Bethesda acquisition with, um, I can't remember their name, like Red Dog or something like that. Oh um, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, so now they have this whole mobile branch for Microsoft also uh, included in this deal, which is also going to make the money hand over fist. Going back to your point, though, Kat, with Bethesda, or <laughs> uh, sorry, Blizzard, I would love to see them do something with the World of Warcraft franchise. I feel like World of Warcraft has just been around for so long. I believe a lot of people really enjoyed the last expansion. But like, where are they going to go with it from here, especially with the decline, as you brought up? Here's what I think. World of Warcraft on Xbox. All well, right. I mean, why not, right? They've apparently had controller APIs in that thing for like 20 years now, like a long time. They have and I'm not saying that it would be easy, but I'm saying like that was the first thing that came to mind was World of Warcraft. Uh, you get it free if you're on Game Pass. That's really smart. Yeah. They, they don't have an answer for Final Fantasy 14 or whatever that deal is happening like yeah, by just, square enix <laughs> yeah hasn't happened yet uh world of it's warcraft only tuesday so we'll see how what happens I know. By the week. <laughs> they have the data from eso and fallout 76 that's really smart cat mm-hmm. uh all right so yeah i mean there there's so many games to to parse through in franchises and we're, we're already arguing amongst ourselves in a friendly <laughs> way which is good because uh the community is doing the same thing and it's just going to be really fascinating to see how all of this shakes out but we all seem to be in pretty well in agreement that call of duty is going to go exclusive uh and warzone will remain the uh the multi-platform game as far as that particular franchise goes all right let's uh let's get into kind of the the other big topic with regard to this and it's everybody's already already commented on it a little bit and that is the culture and miranda uh really hit the nail on the head when she said that you know, Microsoft has made uh, they, they've made it a point in their recent years of acquisitions compared to you know they they talked about how the mistakes they made when they acquired game studios years ago, like like Lionhead, where they imposed their culture on Lionhead and it didn't work and the studio ended up closed. 
Well, in recent years, Microsoft has, has made the smarter decision to let the company, let the studio be the studio and Microsoft just supports them, as Miranda said. And that has worked. That has been very effective. Uh, case in point, Psychonauts 2, a game that started life crowdfunded. Microsoft comes in, supplies the resources, the time, and it ends up being a game of the year contender because of those extra resources and hands-off approach that Microsoft was able to, to give that development team. And so here we find ourselves, though, in a scenario where uh, if Microsoft leaves the culture alone at Activision Blizzard, it's a terrible thing to do. It would be, it would be the worst thing they could do would be to not make any cultural uh, impact on the studio. So uh, what I'm curious about, and uh, maybe I'll go to Kat here first, is number one, the the protesting employees, the developers who have who have taken up this cause of trying to fight for uh, equal pay, equal rights at this company, better treatment. Have we heard from them yet, Kat, on how they feel? Mm. I mean, are they feeling optimistic that Microsoft will uh, lead to a better future for them? Or are they feeling like Microsoft's now just part of the problem? Well, there was a tweet thread from the ABK Workers Alliance where they were actually responding to this news. And their stance was basically, okay, yes, thank you, Xbox, for acquiring Activision Blizzard, I suppose. Um, but nothing changes. Uh, we, Activision Blizzard, has not responded to Raven Software and the QA testers who are currently on strike. Well, that has to happen. Uh, there are... And a lot of the kind of unrest that was happening with Activision Blizzard's workers stemmed with Activision Blizzard's, frankly, uh, inadequate response to the cultural of harassment, that they looked at the settlements that they were proposing and said, this isn't enough. For one thing, job one, Bobby Kotick has to go. Like, he cannot stay as CEO of Activision Blizzard. That entire board is absurdly toxic. I mean, we're talking about a CEO who literally impersonated the only woman on his board for and then threw her under the bus in the media. Right, in a company that email. Is, yeah, in a writing the company email. That is just absolutely wild, right? So, and I don't think Phil Spencer is going to allow it to continue that within a year, there's going to be some pretty wholesale changes happening at the top of Activision Blizzard. But so much of that, like the rot starts at the head, right? The, the and, Wall Street Journal set, is reporting yeah. that Kodak will indeed leave after the deal is finalized. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so much of the uh, unrest that is happening at the level of the workers is it starts right at the top. And that is what Xbox is going to have to address. So uh, to that end, when, when the whole scandal first broke last summer uh, about this workplace toxicity, the lawsuit from the state of California, and then continued to get worse uh, in, in terms of the awful revelations surrounding men in power at that company, including Kodak. Phil Spencer, and I, I believe uh, one of you, I, I sorry, I apologize, can't remember which, did reference this, and I wanted to bring it back up. Phil Spencer, in an, in a, an email to his team, uh, last November said that he's, quote, evaluating all aspects of our relationship with Activision Blizzard and making ongoing proactive adjustments. Uh, he said he was disturbed and deeply troubled 
by the horrific events and actions, end quote, at Bl- at Activision Blizzard. So obviously by November, when Phil sends this out, they had to be neck deep in these acquisition talks because to the best of my knowledge, and I admit I'm just a media guy, I'm nothing more, nothing less. Uh, I'm pretty sure that stuff, uh, a, a $70 billion deal doesn't happen overnight. It does take time. So uh, I suspect that Microsoft was probably already in negotiations to buy Activision Blizzard when all of these revelations about the workplace toxicity broke. So the stakes are extra high for Microsoft here. I mean, Miranda, you've got, uh, I mean, they're they are already high at a, in a $70 billion deal, but Microsoft's kind of, uh, I painted themselves into a corner is probably not the term I'm looking for, but in the sense that uh, if they do clean house and they are able to rebuild and foster a newer, better, more inclusive culture, they will be seen as the uh, the industry leaders in, in supporting a better industry uh, that that they have claimed they want to be. But if they don't, it's going to be pretty fair to look at Microsoft and say, well, you had a chance to back out of this deal and you just took the money. Instead, you took the revenue from this this deal and, and you didn't care enough about employees. Right. I think it's time. Well, let me frame it like this. A lot of folks at Microsoft, especially higher up, seem to be pretty big on talking about inclusivity and making actions for that. And um fair work environments and very, you know, community focused, employee focused, player focused sort of decisions. And this is definitely that chance for them to be like, hey, well, you're getting this mess. Are you going to leave it a mess? And, you know, honestly, sort of, sort of say that you are mostly kind of virtue signaling and saying that like, this is deplorable, we can't let this happen. And then you let it happen because now it is under your belt. Or are you going to like make those sweeping changes? And I think they have to. But also, I know um, they're going to have a lot to answer for with the employees of Activision Blizzard as well, right? Like they have a lot of requests and a lot of things that they deserve to have recognized and um, dealt with. And I hope that under new leadership or at least under their Microsoft umbrella, those things can actually start happening. Um, again, I'm not really in the know about how like management and acquisitions and business turnovers change. I know that there's a lot of things that can happen. Um, but what I hope is that they're able to just say, all right, now you're under umbrella. We can help you clean this house. We are going to get these things instated, like that we have standards for Microsoft already. And I mean, that's also just us assuming that Microsoft is doing their due diligence on their own side, right? Like we can't always assume that everyone everywhere is doing great and it's all peachy keen over at Microsoft. Like there's probably issues there too, as there is with any company. You know, if you're working with people, there's going to be a problem somewhere, but we just have to hope that whatever systems they have established are doing their best to work in favor of the folks who do need help when they are asked for help. Um, so I'm Miranda. hoping that. So oh. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I was going to jump in and say that I am actually of the opinion that this acquisition happened in large part because of Activision Blizzard's issues hmm. being so public. A lot of that is because. Activision Blizzard is a publicly traded company and publicly traded companies are actually fairly difficult to acquire under best of circumstances. They're very expensive. You need some leverage and there needs to be some reason that they would be willing to sell. And if you look at Activision Blizzard right now, they don't have any cash flow issues and they're not looking to exit the business. So you ask, why are they selling 
to Xbox. And you have to think that the pressure from below with the workers and the pressure from above with the federal government says that they're like, they're basically washing their hands of this and saying, okay, fine, whatever, we're heading it, handing it off to Xbox at this point. With $70 billion. Might very well be right. Yeah. yeah, that's an interesting. Destin, let me go to you here. Well, with, with regards to everything that will happen in the future, none of that, none of this is actually concrete. It's still going to be like a year before it's able to be approved. And I think the FCC has to actually approve the purchase. And Xbox knows or legally. Maybe the SEC, possibly. I'm not sure which branch it is, but like it takes a long time for this actually to go through. They need to make sure it's not going to be a monopoly. There's all these legal things that have to be considered. And Xbox also has to be very careful about what they say while all of this is going on. So don't expect tons of stuff to come from this for like the next year. However, with the news that Bobby Kotick is going to be out when it's finalized, according to... Well, reportedly, we can't it's say a, that. Yeah, yeah, really it's just not yet. official. Yeah, reported by the Wall Street Journal, I was going to say. Um, and if you actually read their release, they say, as a company, Microsoft is committed to our journey for inclusion in every aspect of gaming among both employees and players. We deeply value individual studio cultures. We also believe that creative success and autonomy go hand in hand with treating every person with dignity and respect. We hold all teams and all leaders to this commitment. We're looking forward to extending our cultural proactive inclusion to the great teams across Activision Blizzard. I read that as saying, if you don't get your act together in the next year, we're going to do it for you. Oh, I imagine the, those decisions are already being made. I mean, there, there are people that are not going to survive this. Now, I wouldn't be surprised at all if some of those people, uh, we over the next year, year and a half, as this finalizes, we start seeing a lot of uh, bye bye. Oh, looking forward to my next opportunity. I've you know enjoyed my time at Activision, and 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 really to that end, I, I want to go around the table here. I guess about Kodak specifically, just uh, given his position and and his uh, his focal point as part of this story. To this to this end is uh, is it he's is he? It seems like he's just going to walk away with no consequences for any of the behavior that he's done himself or uh, enabled. And uh, he'll simply, mm -hmm. he'll walk away with deeper pockets. So um, do you all agree with that? Do you know what, is that the best case scenario that anyone can, any, any of the developers that have been, uh, that have suffered at, at Activision Blizzard can reasonably hope for? I mean, is it just sort of a, almost a no win situation there? I mean, it wouldn't be the first time a, a, a man in power has done bad things and walked away with, with you know, no consequences. The government's Spencer involved, Spencer will send though. them to, uh, to Xbox jail. <laughs> well, the, the government's involved. And if that shredding of documents turns out to be true and he had any hand in that, there are... Uh, like there are going to be consequences for what has transpired at the company for him. So I wouldn't necessarily think he's just going to get a golden parachute. There could be a lot more going on that we don't know as the state of California builds their case against Activision yeah. Blizzard. On that front, yeah, well, though, California the state of California and the federal government have been, there's been a lot of infighting between the various agencies and Activision Blizzard has been moving through various courts and trying to find ways to get different cases 
thrown out. Um, I'm actually of the opinion that Bobby Kotick is just going to be able to get a golden parachute, as you were saying, and be able to walk away because that's what tends to happen with CEOs. I did look it up. Kotick is uh, apparently his his actual like birthday is not publicly known, but it's, he's 59 uh, seemingly. So he'll be 60 next year. He's he's already richer than God uh, after, you know, however 20 plus years of building Activision, helping build Activision into. You can go buy the Oakland A's and play a money ball, play the role <laughs> that he was true. in Moneyball. Oh, yeah, that is true. So um, I suspect, yeah, he will get a, a nice big payday. He'll walk away. And I, I bet we'll never hear from him again. I mean, you know, he's why would he keep working 60 years old, 61 years old? Uh, and and he might he may be untouchable in at least in in the certainly in the tech space. Although, you know, you never quite know these days uh, money talks. But yeah, it does seem uh, sort of part of this, too, is Codex contract because uh, he, he is given a, a contract that's renewed is uh, reportedly set to expire in at least in 2023. It's possible that it goes longer, but it does sound like that's probably the case. And and as Wall Street Journal's reported, uh, he will be walking away at that time. And, and uh, you know, Phil Spencer is going to going to be the boss. He will be every, everything at Activision Blizzard will be reporting to him. Uh, so let's get to another big topic, which we've again touched on so far. And that is this. Is all of this game industry consolidation, it's not just Microsoft, although Microsoft's certainly been a big part of it, but is this a good thing? It's certainly not unique to gaming. You all have mentioned Disney being a big one, uh, but is this a good thing for, for gaming, for our industry? Miranda, let me go your way first here. Yeah, um, I have not taken an economics class in a very long time. I did not go to school for business journalism. So like, I kind of want to like preface that as though I have my own opinions. They are not informed in the business, like educational sense as that I have not done that. Um, I studied how to write and how to play video games very well. So I could tell you how to play video games very well. Uh, but as a person on this panel, who I think is rather informed about the industry, um, I, I am not going to be the one to say, wow, this is a monopoly. If if Microsoft were trying to buy Sony or Nintendo, I think that would be more of a cause of just like, whoa, 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 what? <laughs> um, I think Activision Blizzard is still also a huge, like a huge competitor, right? A huge person in the space. Like whenever you looked at, or I think took a step back from a lot of the players in the space, you look at Microsoft, you look at Nintendo, you look at Sony, you look at Activision Blizzard, you look at EA, you'll get Ubisoft and like you can throw a Square Enix in there as well. Um, so one of those being acquired, and I'm sure I'm missing a few others, but those are like big ones, right? That don't just do like one or two games every five or 10 years, right? They do a lot. They have a lot of stakeholders. So having one of those gone is strange, albeit I think for me more so because I'm looking at the change that needs to happen there. I don't know if it would have happened any other way. Like it just, yeah. it, there, there are some companies that are just a festering wound and like what takes that change. Right. And so if this means more change at those companies that are not, ex 
doing so hot. Like I think on, you know, person to person levels and within these development spaces, I think, you know, there's a lot of good people there that are really fighting hard for change and really trying to make things happen. And if this acquisition means that more of that change does happen that they're fighting for, then I think ultimately that's probably a better thing, right? Um, and, and that's just my perspective on this acquisition and not necessarily how um, Microsoft having that. I know there's a lot of questions about exclusivity and limiting um, access to games. And I would also say on that really quickly, if we're if we want to look at that, uh, Microsoft has been making a lot of plays to make their games more available in different price points in different ways. Um, Kat, as you're saying earlier with cloud gaming, this infrastructure, like Xbox potentially being an app, we look at their comp competition of who what they want to challenge. It's not these other console makers, right? They want to put their games as many places as they can. They want Game Pass, Game Pass anywhere they can get it. And I think with that in mind, there's actually more of a chance that more people can get these because they don't have to buy a $500, $600 console. They just have to have a, you know, a TV Phone. or something that is, you know, whatever Microsoft is moving toward making these games work on well, and then they can have their game. Like, it's just, I think they're trying to work with the technology most people already have and develop for that and make it work rather than just saying, no, everything will be on our box. So I, I think that's also something to consider when we look at the exclusivity part of it. Kat, your thoughts on whether or not the industry consolidation is a good thing? Well, I think industry consolidation is a bad thing and it's been happening for a long time now. Like this is almost an end game that started 20 years ago when Xbox first came into the space and they famously were trying to buy up places like Square Enix and, and Nintendo. Nintendo. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I think that is a symptom of rising costs, but also kind of laxer, uh, laws that are happening when it comes to consolidation across all the different industries. True. Now, I think that's what's interesting is there's a pushback against tech giants. You're seeing it in Europe to some extent with what was happening with Google. You're seeing it happen in China. And there is actually kind of a bipartisan push in the US against uh, tech companies for a variety of reasons. Now, I don't think that this Activision Blizzard acquisition is going to uh, kind of put Microsoft in the crosshairs of the federal government or anything. I think that if Microsoft gets targeted, it will be for other reasons. But from a pure game industry standpoint, of course, I want more competition. I want uh, different publishers to be able to put out their games on a wide variety of platforms and this is not the way that you end up doing it. And maybe in the short term, this is good. Maybe in the short term, it allows, uh, for example, Double Fine to be saved or for Activision Blizzard's really toxic culture to be cleaned up. But long term, I don't know. I mean, we've certainly seen many, many examples over the years of instances in which consolidation is a bad thing. And both Xbox and EA have been exhibit A yeah. in that. What happened with Lionhead right. is it exhibit A. And you could say, oh, well, Xbox is going to be really hands-off. It'll be great. Well, you can do that, but the culture comes in and affects things in other ways. And it isn't always immediately apparent, but we saw what happened with Rare, right? Where you know they get acquired 
the creators end up leaving after a couple of years because they no longer really have autonomy or that much interest. And the culture just collapses in the next, and you have to basically rebuild the studio from scratch in many ways. So no, I, I don't think that consolidation is good. And as much as I wish Activision Blizzard would clean up its act and get itself together, I wish it had done it independently. Destin, how about you? I think we're seeing sort of a reset point with the industry personally. Sony has been buying a bunch of companies. Uh, Microsoft's buying a bunch of you know companies also. And Tencent's sort of in on the market now. Epic's doing their thing. There's all these things that are happening right now. And I have to wonder if these acquisitions of legacy brands, honestly, Activision has been around since the, what, Atari days? Like oh, since yeah, the beginning. Days. Yeah, it's since fall. the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I just wonder who else is going to come into the market. Like we're seeing uh, Tencent, China get into the market with these major acquisitions or major investments in companies. Uh, Epic is doing their own thing, launching uh, their gaming platform on PC. And I, I do think we're going to see a lot of changes over the next few years. The question about is this good for the industry? I, th I think that's going to be a thing that time will tell. I don't know that I can make a call about that now, but you both bring up a lot of really excellent points to think about with what has happened historically. What is this going to mean moving forward? Um, yeah, I, I, I pulled up, uh, I saw a tweet from John Carmack. Now, if you don't know who John Carmack is, he's one of the most brilliant programmers that the gaming industry has ever seen. Uh, he was the co-creator of id Software, Wolfenstein, Doom, Quake, uh, and then eventually he did leave the studio and went and helped bring the Oculus to market. So uh, his he, he put up an interesting tweet that said, uh, someone asked him, are you concerned about the monopolization of so much IP and power within one ecosystem? And John said, I don't have super strong opinions about it, but a small handful of very strong game publishing companies doesn't seem obviously worse to me than 50 struggling ones. And that kind of got me thinking a little bit. I don't think I disagree with any of you, but there, there is that point, Kat, you, you raised it about rising costs. And it, it's so, it, there's so much risk in, in making video games these days, which in and of itself is probably unhealthy. And that's a systemic issue that would be a discussion for another time. But, you know, if, if Microsoft, I guess the, the bottom line for me is if the if all that power is in the right hands, it doesn't have to be a bad thing. It can be a good thing. If if you have uh you know, Microsoft has been walking the walk with regard to, you know, making player first decisions, supporting healthy development and healthy studios. So if they continue to do that. Uh, and they are able to affect positive change with regard to Activision's and Blizzard's culture, then it will be a good thing for the industry. But uh, it's almost like it's it's almost like uh, with 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 the gauntlet with the Infinity Stones in Infinity War, where if Thanos gets it, we're screwed. But if if Iron Man's got it, we're, we're okay. So I don't know. It, if I just hope Microsoft continues to. Uh, you know, Satya Nadella and, and Phil Spencer seem to be, they seem to be well-intentioned uh, caretakers of the, of the industry and wanting to make the industry a better place 
for customers and developers, for gamers and developers alike. So I guess it all just depends if what happens when those guys are gone. And if somebody I, else takes over, that's a little more Thanos-ish, the industry could see, could be in, in, in you know, see a, a big problem coming out of this. Uh, yeah. And I kind of wanted to continue on this point a little bit too. It's like, although we are looking at like the biggest of publishers, there are a lot of smaller to meteor tier publishers that are really rising in a lot of ways. Like you look at Devolver and how much they've grown. Like you just look at the games they've published and how many lists of best games that they've been on. And then you look at places like Annapurna, like granted these are definitely smaller publishers, but you definitely, those have come up in over the years, right? I know Devolver's been around a lot longer and Annapurna is newer to the game, but they've been making a lot of waves. So I think there is possibility for us to get a lot of like good competitors out there that will keep on um, pushing the market to try and do different things. Um, and, and, and Xbox kind of, will buy them. Hopefully not. Hopefully not. <laughs> I mean, no, I mean, sorry, like to also to clarify, like I don't want Xbox or Sony or Nintendo to buy it. Like Nintendo's not really doing this as much, but like just to buy everything. Like that's not, I don't think anybody wants, but I think this particular instance where I was like, I mean, it seems like someone was going to buy them was was probably what it is right so it's like who would you rather them be under um so i think maybe that could be part of the case in this particular situation but like i think there are a lot of um independent places that you can look for to keep pushing the bar of what should be or what could be done at studios and how places can work um and you've i think we've also seen just a lot of other like i guess legacy and just um like I see studios sort of break up and then you have like a lot of their heads and their talent and creative talent go off to do their own things. Like there've been so many new studios created from a bunch of industry veterans. And like, I actually kind of want to pull up a list and like probably start making that and seeing what they do and how long it takes for them to put their games together and like what they look like and how they've changed over time. So there's, there's still a lot of things happening, I think, despite all this, but um, the big moves at the top are really important because they do have ripple effects across the entire industry. So. Like the Apex yeah. team, Miranda, just off the top of my head for yep. one that broke off and were very successful. Yeah, and you're not wrong because there's a huge amount of money of venture capital just in the games industry in general. We saw that with so many people leaving Blizzard last year to start up their own studios because mm -hmm. investors are willing to throw in money in the hopes that somebody like Microsoft will come and buy them up and they can make a giant return on their investments. So. Well, companies are posting like 10% increase in revenue. So like they're in the billions year over year for, for the last year. Of course, investors are going to want to get in on that, you know? It's wild to me that it's 2022 and it feels like the investors are going, wait a minute, you know what people might be into? <laughs> Video, Video games. games. <laughs> Maybe we should invest in that thing. You see, see, part of it too, it feels like whenever people throw around metaverse, the inventors are like, Hey, it's it's the buzzword. They said it. We gotta yeah. just gotta throw the money they out said there. The thing. Yeah. They said NFT. It's <laughs> oh, money. <God. laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so bottom line it for me, everybody. Scale of one to ten, IGN scale. How excited <laughs> are you about this absolutely juggernaut mammoth Xbox news, Destin? From a news perspective, like a 10, from a personal perspective, I don't care because I own all the consoles, so I'll just play anyway. <laughs> like, like at no point was I ever going to lose out on anything. So, uh, yeah, on a personal note, like lower, I guess, because I don't know what it means. On a well, news you're going to get a lot more stuff in Game Pass at the very least, Destin. Well, so yeah, great. <laughs> Better that. Game Pass value. Like, there's I don't that. have stock in any of the companies, so. <laughs> Cat, how about you? 
I choose to be optimistic and say an eight out of 10, uh, because as I was already saying, Activision Blizzard was a festering wound and Blizzard was a complete mess. And maybe maybe Xbox coming in and, okay, from a personal gaming standpoint, I have the most interest in Blizzard because I'm a Blizzard fan going way, way back. And it really seemed that Activision Blizzard was just doing a huge disservice to the history and the legacy of Blizzard. And some of that was brought in on by itself, but there was so much pressure to create these franchises that would be able to sell year after year after year, right? And I just would really love Blizzard to be able to get back to basics in some ways and take stock of its portfolio. I would love StarCraft to be revived in some way with Microsoft. (laughs) Yeah, with Xbox you know, putting so much emphasis on PC, you wonder, okay, well, is there space for a StarCraft revival of some kind? That wouldn't have been the case under Activision Blizzard, but under Xbox, who knows? Everything's on the table at this point. Phil Spencer's first move is uncanceling StarCraft Ghost. If Metroid Dread can come out (laughs) after all those years, so could StarCraft Ghost. Still gaming uh, is back, baby. Maybe my pre-order at GameStop is still good after all these years. Uh, What if we get Ghost before Splinter Cell? (laughs) Uh, Miranda, how about you? Uh... A seven. Yeah, I'll give it a seven. Very IGN score review. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Personal excitement, like seven overall for the news. Personal excitement, probably like a four. I don't know, five. It's hard because it's like, if framing this in excitement, I don't think is the right word for me. I think in interest or in um, like curiosity, like there's a a Mm. lot there. And I think there's a lot to cover here and there still will be going forward. And I'm honestly just really looking forward to seeing all the reports and analysis we have from, you know, more business professionals and folks who are, you know, more accustomed to breaking down this kind of news and like breeding into the effects that this could have beyond like what I can probably perceive at this moment. Uh, And so I'm looking forward to seeing all of that. Um, But yeah, Yeah, I'm I'm not too far off. I mean, it's, as I said, personally, I was way more excited about yeah. the Bethesda acquisition. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, I guess politically, if, you know, sort of business wise, <laughs> I'm, uh, but this is like way more interesting than Bethesda yeah. because of, you know, the culture side of it. And, you know, how is this going to shake out and will, you know, which franchises are going to end up being exclusive? Uh, but yeah, it's, it's a heck of a thing. 70, almost $70 billion. Uh, random note before I close this out, and we'll, we'll just talk about a couple of other little things before we do the trivia and get out of here. But former Xbox executive Mike Ibarra, who uh, at, at present is still the head of Blizzard, now finds himself or will find himself when this deal closes back at Microsoft. Uh, and so does Blizzard's Diablo boss, because I'm a big Diablo fan, right. Rod Ferguson, yeah. <laughs> our friend from the formerly of the coalition, uh, will now find himself a Microsoft employee once again. <laughs> I'm sure there are a lot of other people like that too. Uh, I know our friend Josh Kerwin is in there. There's a lot of a lot of developers that have worked at Microsoft and are now at Activision or Blizzard and now will find themselves uh back. 
I saw uh, a lot of devs I... tweeting. They're enthusiastic about it. Like former Microsoft employees who went over to Activision are very, seem very enthusiastic about the merger. And, and just generally speaking, uh, developers uh, seem happy. And, and hopefully their happiness will, will be proven out correct. Uh, the one last thing, I, I have to toot my own horn before we end this because uh, a Twitter user flagged this to me this morning. I forgot I wrote this entirely. I, so I joined IGN for context. This is going to be my 10th anniversary at IGN this year. I joined at the very end of May, like May 30 or 30th or 31st was my first day at IGN. On July 17th of 2012, I wrote a story, an op-ed headlined, what if Microsoft bought Activision Blizzard <laughs> with the subhead, could they, the should scenes. they? <laughs> so, uh, and it was predicated on at the time Vivendi, uh, who was you know was looking to sell its sixty one percent stake in Activision Blizzard to help solve its own debt woes. Reuters had reported that they'd gone so far as to hire a banker to reach out to potential buyers, including Microsoft. So, uh, the asking price at the time, or at least for that sixty one percent stake, so you'd have to extrapolate it, but. The 61% stake was was reportedly going to go for $8 billion. So look what's happened in 10 years. What a deal. Uh, that. But, <laughs> in yeah, 2012, it would have been bigger than Bethesda. A whole op, yeah, even at the time, just the 61%. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I said I closed it out. Uh, regardless, Vivendi is in a difficult position. You've heard of Too Big to Fail, but Activision Blizzard is something of a victim of its own success in that for Vivendi, it may be too big to be sold. Uh, it's probably not in best Microsoft's best interest to open their checkbook, but if they did, it would be the biggest risk and potentially <laughs> biggest reward in Xbox history. So I just thought that I completely forgot about that until someone brought it up. And uh, I will be tweeting uh, 2032's winning lottery numbers at noon today, if you would like to, uh, if you'd like to get those. All right. Uh, a couple of other things, because let's see, we are already running a bit long, but we've got a little more time. Yeah, we've got a, a little bit more time. In fact, actually, I'll just do this one last story, then we'll do trivia. Microsoft have quietly discontinued manufacturing all Xbox One consoles at the end of 2020. So they did it when the Series X and S launched. As reported by The Verge, Microsoft has stated that it stopped producing the Xbox One consoles at the end of 2020 <laughs> in order to focus its efforts on it's new generation, uh, but the Xbox One S is now that had that had still been in production. Now the S is gone as well. So um, this, given the the chip shortage that we've all found ourselves in now, seems like the Xbox Series S strategy is paying off rather handsomely because Sony has had to extend the life of the PS4 because they don't have a, an equivalent product for the Series S. I'm not saying that, you know, my, Sony's doing just fine. I'm not trying to make this a console war thing, but Destin, uh, it, it does seem like that Microsoft has, as it turns out, pay, paid off with a huge strategy it, it, given the, the situation we, we're in now with the, the pandemic and the hardware shortage. Both of these strategies are the right strategies. It's just funny that they're exact opposing opposites. Yeah. PlayStation making more PlayStation 4s is just smart. They can't make enough PlayStation 5s. They can't get the chips. They still want people in that ecosystem. And like they have something like 86 
a million consoles for the PlayStation 4, and they haven't sold their 20 million goal yet, I don't think. I think their goal is 22 million PS5s for, PS5. yeah. for PS5 by now. So them making more PS4s to sort of soften that, that's very, very smart. Xbox discontinuing the Xbox One, which was... Uh, host to a myriad of problems since the launch, bundling it with Connect, the whole TV, TV, TV thing, the fact that it ran at a lower base resolution. Uh, they kind of fixed all that by the Xbox One X, but the Series S is here now. The Series S is that entry point. It's it's selling like crazy. Ryan, you on Next Gen Console Watch talked about how the, the console sales are actually much closer than we expected. You know, we thought that, uh, you know, PlayStation was just miles ahead. And of course, we all know Nintendo's still crushing with, with the Switch. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, to me, this was really interesting. I think it's the right move on Microsoft's part to focus on the Series S and the Series X. They've had so much goodwill garnered towards this. Uh, new generation of consoles and their strategy with Game Pass. It's very, very smart. It's it's what they should have done. And I, I'm happy to see them sort of draw a line in the sand and say, this is us now and we're going forward from here. Kat, do you agree that uh, Microsoft's strategy seems to have paid off here? Yeah, I agree with Dustin when he says that Xbox Series S is the entry point, as it were. There was a part of me that was a little bit surprised with uh, the decision to discontinue the Xbox One because Xbox is making such a big bet on cloud. And one of the nice things is that the Xbox One can play cloud games, right? Uh, So in theory, all of this big kind of family of hardware can come together all happy and everything. But it also makes sense that Microsoft doesn't want to undercut the Xbox Series S. So and it, so, why not go ahead and discontinue it? And this is a very Xbox move because traditionally, as soon as a new console has come out, Xbox has said, okay, we're pulling the plug on the previous one because it's in some ways the equivalent of upgrading to a new phone. As, opposed, as for the Xbox One's legacy, um, I think it's more of an interesting legacy than a lot of people would suppose. It's very much Microsoft in transition from one era, the Xbox 360 era, and a different way of thinking of how we were going to interact with our living room to the current era. And it was not an easy transition. It was a painful transition, but maybe a necessary one. I would I would pay good money for a, a well-sourced book to be written about the Xbox One era, particularly the early part of it. Miranda, There's a lot of good stories from that period. <laughs> <laughs> Miranda, any, any thoughts on, yeah, this... Uh, this this strategy that has seemingly worked well during this chip shortage for Microsoft. Justin and Kat put it very well. Uh, my only addition is RIP Connect. Very big RIP. <laughs> I mean, it's already been Connect pretty fan. much a huh? big Connect fan. Yeah, I like the Connect a lot. It's Aww. it's um. I kind of wonder sometimes with the um, big focus on metaverse and those sort of digital world thing is like, could we see some stuff like that come back in any way? But you know, that's a story for another time, right? I, I will say I have a lot of fun memories of Dance Central. Like that was that was a good time in front of the TV. Those were those were good days. Uh, OK, real fast before we do trivia, I, I got to mention this because this is another another it's a much smaller W for Xbox in a, in a week where they've where they've just dropped a giant W. Uh, but we're in week three of 2022 and we already have the third big win of the year for Game Pass. 
So we've already had Mass Effect Legendary Edition. We had the announcement of Rainbow Six Extraction coming day one uh, later this month. And now the Hitman Trilogy. So the three most recent Hitman games, uh, Hitman 3 being just the best of those. It's a phenomenal game. Uh, That is going to be hitting this week, Game Pass, Thursday, all three of them. So if you haven't, if you missed those, those those games came out exactly, three came out a year ago, last January. Uh, It stayed in the running for a lot of awards and things all year. It was just a fantastic game. And if you miss stealth games, as I do, uh, check out Hitman 3. I had a blast uh, playing that game last year. Good stuff on Game Pass. Ryan, in all this Activision stuff, they also snuck in that 25 million, there's 25 million Game Pass subs now. They yes. snuck it in there, like in the middle. I'm like, what? That's like a big thing, but whatever. Yeah, yeah twenty. Oh, so we'll we'll talk more about that next week, maybe, because we got to get rolling. But before we do, trivia time. Uh, Miranda, Destin, and Stella have both gotten on the board. Dang it! So here we go. Let's. There's your chance to get get rolling. 2022 is young yet, and Cat. Who knows? If you're on a bunch this year, you you might have a chance. You just never know. Last year was kind of a low-scoring year, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> Sam from England, thank you, Sam, sends this excellent question in, which, by the way, I would say this one stumped me. This, I think this is a really good question. It is. Which of the following studios that are now a part of Xbox Game Studios, although we'll have to update this now that we've got Activision, but uh, which of these, these uh, new recruits to Xbox Game Studios was founded the earliest? Was it Arcane? Ninja Theory, Turn 10, or Double Fine? Let me go to our guest, Kat, first for this. See if, uh, see if she's got any, any thoughts here. I'm going to say Arcane Studios because, as I recall, Arx Fatalis was one of their first games, and that came out quite early hmm. in the 2000s. And looking at the other studios on this list, I, I think they all came around in the mid to late 2000s. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'll be surprised. All right. Uh, Destin, go your way next. Never even heard of that game, but this is an excellent question. Uh, I have no idea about Arcane's history. Ninja Theory, I remember Enslaved, Odyssey to the West, the fantastic game I recommend everybody plays. Turn 10, I can't remember if they're newer, and then Double Fine, they feel, I feel like they were around in the point-and-click adventures, but maybe just the developers that now work at Double Fine. Um, oh man, I'm really stumped on this one. Uh, I'll, I'll say D, Double Fine, just to be different. Okay. But I don't know. Miranda, I know you're a big Double Fine fan, but what do you think uh, What do you think about I, Double Fine relative to these others? I'm going for a wild card answer because I have no idea when Turn 10 was was founded or what they did prior to some of the things that I already know. So I'm just going to go with them. I don't think it's right, okay. but I'm just going to go with it. <laughs> well, one of you is correct. That's the good news. You each took a different one. Uh, nobody picked... <laughs> or somebody picked the correct answer, which is good. Okay, good. <laughs> and it's Cat. Congratulations, Cat. Arcane is the correct answer. So these were all pretty close. I'll say that. So that's uh, what made it a little trickier. Uh, but the answer is Arcane 1999. Wow. Is when Arcane was founded. Uh, then in, in 2000, you had Double Fine and Ninja Theory. And Turn 10 was founded in 2001, and we got, uh, of course, yeah. the first Forza Motorsport, uh, you know, a few years later. So, very yeah, close Arcane together. is the answer. Wow. Good job, Cat. 
Thank nice. you. When you when you that said the name cat, I'm like, that sounds like an old game name. Sorry, I didn't <laughs> yeah. interrupt you. <laughs> you get cat on the board here. Cat yeah. with one point. Perfect. With double fine, a lot of the games that you relate with double fine that are older for the point and click are usually LucasArts. Yeah, that's yes. right. Mm. I knew yeah, that. I, I was like, I know it's not the, double fine. <laughs> the one I definitely knew was double fine was 2000 because they were very kind. Uh, just recently, they sent me uh, a hardcover book that they put together of 20 double fine years celebrating their anniversary. So it's like, I knew, all right, I know when that, I know when double fine was founded. Uh, My favorite ironic studio on here is Ninja Theory, just because they were a PS3 exclusive studio for a minute. <laughs> That's true. Starting in like uh, 2006 with, I think it was Heavenly Sword. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. That yeah, was their memory. first the game. game. Yeah. Good memory. Andy Circus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Sam from England. Great question. If anyone else out there has a good Xbox trivia question, send it our way so that I can try to stump these panelists in the weeks to come because we play this game all year and then there's a trophy at the very end of the year. So send your Xbox trivia question to unlocked at IGN.com. Include, of course, the question for multiple choice answers. Note the correct one in your email and don't forget your name and optionally, if you'd like, your gamer tag as well. And we'll play again next week. That brings us to the end of uh, Unlocked 527, a memorable one for sure. Kat, where can everybody find you on podcasts, on social media, etc.? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at the underscore Catbot with all of my updates on the various podcasts that I appear on. And here at IGN, I am a regular co-host over on Nintendo Voice Chat. So if you want to go hear all of the news about Nintendo Switch, there you can find me. You got to mention your other cool podcast, though. Oh, well, thank you. Yes, I also host an RPG podcast on the side. It's called Acts of the Blood God, and we've been going for several mm-hmm. years now. And actually, we have been talking about a... Uh, Being acquired by yeah. Microsoft? <laughs> I'm sure we'll be talking about it this year, uh, this week. So lots to cover there. So lots of good stuff. All right. Miranda, how about you? Uh, you can find me on Twitch, Twitter, and basically everywhere else as Havoc Grows. Um, tonight, I think I'll be playing the Cyber Showdown event from Halo on my t- oh, yeah. on Twitch, probably, with my friends. Probably. I'm very excited for it. I love Halo. I've been playing it a lot. Yay. As do we all. all. Destin. <laughs> yeah. Follow me on Twitter, at Destin Legary. You can watch my vlog videos over at the Destin channel on YouTube. Uh, watch my stuff on IGN. There's a lot of cool games coming out actually in the next few weeks. So yep. yeah, stay tuned. Going to be Very a good so. year of gaming. Uh, I'm on Twitter at DMC underscore Ryan. I might write something about this. I've been asked to. I got to figure out what what I would want to write. But I uh, hope everybody enjoyed this, what, hour plus of uh, special edition unlocked. The timing couldn't have been better. Thank you, based Phil Spencer, for not announcing this on like Tuesday <laughs> afternoon. Mere hours. Usually that's what happens is it gets announced after we record. We would have had to just burn that episode to the ground and start over. So I'm glad we didn't have to do that. For super producer Kate, alongside Kat, Destin, and Miranda, I'm Ryan. This was Unlocked 527, and we'll see you back here next week. 